Hello, and welcome to the Sweet Tea Shakespeare Hours, where we spend time well by spending it together. I'm your host, Claire Martin. On behalf of Sweet Tea Shakespeare, I'm thrilled to welcome you to our full cast table read of William Shakespeare's enduring comedy, Twelfth Night. First performed at the turn of the 17th century, Twelfth Night invites us into the topsy-turvy kingdom of Illyria, where a pair of shipwrecked twins named Viola and Sebastian become entangled in the romantic hijinks of a host of colorful characters, including a lovelorn duke, a headstrong countess, an uptight butler, and a mischievous fool. Love, laughter, chaos, cross-dressing, it's all here in one perfect Shakespearean package. Please enjoy Twelfth Night. If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it, that surfeiting the appetite may sicken and so die. Oh, that strain again. It had a dying fall. It came on my ear like the sweet sound that breathes upon a bank of violets, stealing and, and giving odor. Enough! No more. Not so sweet now as it was before. Oh, spirit of love, how quick and fresh thou art, that notwithstanding thy capacity receiveth as the sea not enters there of what validity and, and pitch soe'er, but falls into abatement and low price even in a minute. So full of shapes is fancy that it alone is high fantastical. Will you go hunt, my lord? What, Curio? The heart. Why, <laughs> so I do. The noblest that I have. Oh, when mine eyes did see Olivia first, methought she purged the air of pestilence. That instant was I turned into a heart, and my desires like fell and cruel hounds ere since pursue me. How now? What news from her? So please, my lord, I might not be admitted, but from her housemaid do return this answer. The element itself, till seven years heat, shall not behold her face at ample view, but like a cloistress she will veiled walk and water once a day her chamber round with eye-offending brine, all this to season a brother's dead love, which she would keep fresh and lasting in her sad remembrance. Oh, she that hath a heart of that fine frame to pay this debt of love, but to a brother? How will she love when the rich golden shaft hath killed the flock of all affections else that live in her? When liver, brain, and heart, these sovereign thrones are all supplied and filled her sweet perfections with one self king. Away before me to sweet beds of flowers, love thoughts lie rich when canopied with bowers. Act one, scene two, the seacoast. What country, friend, is this? This is Illyria, lady. And what should I do in Illyria? My brother, he is in Elysium. Perchance he is not drowned. What think you, sailor? It is perchance that you yourself were saved. Oh, my poor brother. 
And so perchance may he be. True, madam. And to comfort you with chance, assure yourself, after our ship did split, I saw your brother, most provident in peril, bind himself to a strong mass that lived upon the sea, where like Arion on the dolphin's back, I saw him hold acquaintance with the waves so long as I could see. For saying so, I thank thee. Knowest thou this country? Aye, madam, well. Who governs here? A noble duke, in nature as in name. What is his name? Orsino. Orsino? I have heard my father name him. He was a bachelor then. And so is now, or was so very late. For but a month ago, I went from hence that he did seek the love of fair Olivia. What's she? Virtuous maid, daughter of a count, that died some 12 months since, then leaving her in the protection of his son, her brother, who shortly also died, for whose dear love, they say, she hath abjured the sight in company of men. Oh, that I served that lady and might not be delivered to the world till I had made mine own occasion mellow what my estate is. That were hard to compass, because she will admit no kind of suit. No, not the Duke's. There is a fair behavior in thee, Captain. I prithee, and I'll pay thee bounteously. Conceal me what I am, and be my aid. For such disguise as haply shall become the form of my intent. I'll serve this Duke. Thou shalt present me as a eunuch to him. It may be worth thy pains, for I can sing and speak to him in many sorts of music that will allow me very worth his service. What else may hap to time I will commit. Only shape thou thy silence to my wit. Be you as eunuch, and your mute I'll be. When my tongue blabs, then let mine eyes not see. I thank thee. Lead me on. Act one, scene three, Olivia's house. Oh, what a plague means my niece to take the death of her brothers thus. I'm sure care's an enemy to life. By my troth, Sir Turby, you must come in earlier o' nights. Your niece, my lady, takes great exceptions to your ill hours. Why, let her accept before accepted. Aye, but you must confine yourself within the modest limits of order. Confine? I'll confine myself no finer than I am. Well, these clothes are good enough to drink in, and so are these boots, too. That quaffing and drinking will undo you. I heard my lady talk of it yesterday, and of a foolish knight that you brought in one night here to, <laughs> to be her wooer? Who? Sir Andrew Egricheek? Aye, he. <laughs> well, he's as tall a man as any is in Illyria. What's that to the purpose? Well, he has 3,000 ducats a year. <laughs> he's a very fool. And a prodigal. Fie that you'll say so. He plays the vile the gambles uh, and speaks uh, three or four languages, word for word without a book, and hath all the good gifts of nature. And besides that, he's a great quarreler, and but he hath the gift of a coward to allay the gust he hath in quarreling. Tis thought among the prudent he would quickly have the gift of the grave. By this hand, they are scoundrels and subtractors that say so of him. Who are they? 
And they add, moreover, he's drunk nightly in your company. With drinking health to my niece. I'll drink to her as long as there is passage in my throat and drink in Illyria. What, wench? <laughs> Castellano Volga. Oh, for here comes Sir Andrew A. Gucci. <laughs> Sir Toby Belch. How now, Sir Toby Belch? Sweet Sir Andrew. Bless you, fair shrew. And you too, sir. A cost, Sir Andrew, a cost. What's that? My niece's chambermaid. Good mistress, a cost. I desire better acquaintance. My name is Mary, sir. Good mistress, Mary, a cost. <clears throat> you mistake, knight. A cost is front her, board her, woo her, assail her. By my troth, I, I would not undertake her in this company. Is that the meaning of a cost? Fare you well, gentlemen. Methinks sometimes I have no more wit than a Christian or an ordinary man has. But I am a great eater of beef, and I believe that does harm to my wit. Mm, no question. I'll ride home tomorrow, Sir Toby. Uh, pourquoi, my dear knight? Uh, what, what is pourquoi? Do, do or not do? Uh, I, I would I had bestowed this time in the tongues that I have in fencing, dancing, and bear baiting. Uh, had I but followed the arts, your, your niece will not be seen, or if she be, it's four to one, she'll none of me. The Duke himself here hard by woos her. She'll none of the Duke. She'll not match above her degree, neither in estate, years, nor wit. I have heard her swear. Tut, there's life in it, man. I'll stay a month longer. I, I'm a fellow of oh, the strangest mind I world. I delight in masks and revels sometimes altogether. Art thou good at these kickshaws this night? As any man in Lyria, whatsoever he be. What is thy excellence in a galliard night? Hey, I can cut a caper. <laughs> and I can cut the mutton to it. <laughs> shall we set about some revels? What shall we do else? Were we not born under Taurus? Taurus? That's sides and heart. No, sir, it's legs and thighs. Let me see thee caper. Hmm? <laughs> ah, ah, excellent, yes. One, scene four, the Duke's court. If the Duke continue these favors towards you, Cesario, you are like to be much advanced. He hath known you but three days, and already you are no stranger. You either fear his humor or my negligence that you call in question the continuance of his love. Is he inconstant, sir, in his favors? No, believe me. I thank you. Here comes the Duke. Who saw Cesario, ho? On your attendance, my lord, here. Give us leave a while. <clears throat> Cesario, uh, thou knowest no less but all. I have unclasped to thee the book even of my secret soul. Before good youth, uh, address thy gate unto her. Be not denied access, stand at her doors and tell them there thy fixed foot shall grow till thou have audience. Sure, my noble lord, if she be so abandoned to her sorrow as it is spoke, she never will admit me. Be clamorous, man. Leap all civil bounds rather than make unprofited return. Say I do speak with her, my lord, what then? Oh, then, 
unfold the passion of my love, surprise her with discourse of my dear faith. It shall become thee well to act my woes. She will attend it better in thy youth than in a moon skills of more grave aspect. I think not so, my lord. Oh, dear lad, believe it. For they shall yet belie thy happy years that say thou art a man, and Diana's lip is not more smooth and rubious. Thy small pipe is as the maiden's organ, shrill and sound, all is semblant of a woman's part. I know thy constellation is right apt for this affair. Prosper well in this, and thou shalt live as freely as thy lord to call his fortunes thine. I'll do my best to woo your lady. Yet a barful strife, whoe'er I woo myself would be his wife. Act one, scene five, Olivia's house. Nay, either tell me where thou hast been, or I will not open my lips so wide as a bristle may enter in way of thy excuse. My lady will hang thee for thy absence. Let her hang me. He that is well hanged in this world needs no needs to fear no colors. He will be hanged for being so long absent or be turned away. Is not that as good as a hanging to you? Many a good hanging prevents a bad marriage. Oh, peace, you rogue. No more of that. Here comes my lady. Make your excuse wisely. Wit and be thy will. Put me into good fooling. Those wits that think they have thee to do oft prove fools, and that I am sure I lack thee may pass for a wise man. For what, for what says Quinapolis? Better a witty fool than a foolish wit. God bless thee, lady. Take the fool away. Do you not hear, fellows? Take away the lady. <sighs> Sir, I bade them take you away. Miss Prison, in the highest degree, Lady Cuculus non facit monachum. I will not wear, I will not motley in my brain. Good Madonna, give me leave to prove you a fool. Can you do it? Dexteriosely, good Madonna. Make your proof. I must catechize you for it. Good Madonna, why mournst thou? Good fool for my brother's death. Hmm, I think his soul is in hell, Madonna. I know his soul is in heaven, fool. The more fool, Madonna, to mourn for your brother's soul being in heaven. Uh, Take away the fool, I say. What think you of this fool, Malvolio? Doth she not mend? I marvel your ladyship takes delight in such a barren rascal. I saw her put down the other day with an ordinary fool that has no more brain than a stone. Look you now, she's out of her guard already. Unless you laugh and minister occasion to her, she is gagged. Oh, you are sick of self-love, Malvolio, and taste with such a, such a, with a distempered appetite to be generous, guiltless, and free. Disposition is to take those things for bird bolts that you deem cannon bullets. There is no slander in an allowed fool, though she do nothing but rail, nor no railing in a known discreet man, though he do nothing but reprove. 
Uh, madam, there is at the gate a young gentleman much desires to speak with you. From the Duke Orsino, is it? I know not, madam. Tis a fair young man. Who of my people hold him in delay? Sir Toby, madam. Your uncle? Oh, fetch him off, I pray you. He speaks nothing but madmen. Fie on him. Go you, Malvolio, if it be a suit from the Duke, I am sick, or not at home. What you will to dismiss it. Now you see how your fooling grows old and people dislike it. <laughs> By mine honor, half drunk. <laughs> what is he at the gate, uncle? A gentleman. A gentleman? What gentleman? Well, tis a gentleman here. Uh, uh, plague of these people herring. Hello, sot. Good Sir Toby. There's one at the gate. Aye, Mary, what is he? Let him be the devil, and he will, I cannot. Uh, What's a drunken man like, fool? Like a drowned man, a fool and madman. One draught above heat makes him a fool. The second mads him and the third drowns him. He's drowned. Go look <laughs> after him. He is but mad yet, Madonna, and the fool shall look to the madman. <clears throat> Madam, young yond fellow swears he will speak with you. I told him you were sick. He takes on him to understand so much, and therefore comes to speak with you. I told him you were asleep. And he seems to have a foreknowledge of that too, and therefore comes to speak with you. <clears throat> what is to be said to him, lady? He's fortified against my denial. <clears throat> Tell him he shall not speak with me. Has been told so. And he says he'll stand at your door like a sheriff's post, but he'll speak with you. What kind of man is he? Why, of mankind. What manner of man? A very ill manner. He'll speak with you, will you or no? Of what personage and years is he? Uh, not yet old enough for a man, nor young enough for a boy. He is very well favored and he speaks very shrewishly. <laughs> One would think his mother's milk was scarce out of him. Let him approach. Call in my gentlewoman. <clears throat> Mariah, my lady calls. Give me my veil. Come, throw it o'er my face. We'll once more hear Orsino's embassy. The honorable lady of the house, which is she? Speak to me, I shall answer for her. Your will? <clears throat> Most radiant, exquisite, and unmatchable beauty. I pray you tell me if this be the lady of the house, for I never saw her. I would be loath to cast away my speech, for besides that it is excellently well penned, I have taken great pains to con it. Whence came you, sir? I can say little more than I have studied, and that question's out of my part. Good gentle one, give me modest assurance, if you be the lady of the house, that I may proceed in my speech. Are you a comedian? <laughs> no, my profound heart. And... Yet by the very fangs of malice, I swear I am not that I play. Are you the lady of the house? If I do not usurp myself, I am. Most certain if you are she, you do usurp yourself. For what is yours to bestow is not yours to reserve. But 
This is from my commission. I will on with my speech in your praise and then show you the heart of my message. Come to what's important, I forgive you the praise. Alas, I took great pains to study it and tis poetical. It is the more like to be feigned. I pray you keep it in. I heard you were saucy at my gates and allowed your approach rather to wonder at you than to hear you. If you be not mad, be gone. If you have reason, be brief. Tis not that time of moon with me to make one in so skipping a dialogue. Will you host sail, sir? Here lies your way. No, good swabber, I am to hull here a little longer. Tell me your mind. I am a messenger. Sure, you have some hideous matter to deliver when the courtesy of it is so fearful. Speak your office. It alone concerns your ear. I bring no overture of war. I hold the olive in my hand. My words are as full of peace as matter. Yet you began rudely. What are you? What would you? The rudeness that hath appeared in me have I learned from my entertainment. What I am and what I would are as secret as maidenhead. To your ears, divinity. To any others, profanation. Give us the place alone. We will hear this divinity. <clears throat> now, sir, what is your text? <clears throat> Most sweet lady. A comfortable doctrine, and much may be said of it. Where lies your text? In Orsino's bosom. <laughs> In his bosom. In what chapter of his bosom? to answer by the method in the first of his heart. Oh, I have read it. It is heresy. Have you no more to say? Good madam, let me see your face. Have you any commission from your lord to negotiate with my face? You are now out of your text, but we will draw the curtain and show you the picture. Look you, sir, is it? Not well done. Excellently done, if God did all. Tis in grain, sir, twill endure wind and weather. Tis beauty truly blent, whose red and white nature's own sweet and cunning hand laid on. Lady, you are the cruelest she alive if you would lead these graces to the grave and leave the world no copy. <clears throat> oh, sir, I will not be so hard-hearted. I will give out diverse schedules of my beauty. It shall be inventoried and every particle and utensil labeled to my will as item, two lips in different red, item, two gray eyes with lids to them, item, one neck, one chin, and so forth. Were you sent hither to praise me? I see you what you are. You are too proud, but if you were the devil, you are fair. My Lord and master loves you. Oh, such love could be but recompensed, though you were crowned the non-pareil of beauty. How does he love me? With adorations, fertile tears, with groans that thunder love, with sighs of fire. Your Lord does know my mind. I cannot love him. Yet I suppose him virtuous, know him noble, of great estate, but yet I cannot love him. He might have took his answer long ago. If I did love you in my master's flame, 
but such a suffering, such a deadly life. In your denial, I would find no sense. I, I would not understand it. Why? What would you? Make me a willow cabin at your gate and call upon my soul within the house. <laughs> Write loyal cantons of contemned love and sing them loud even in the dead of night. Halloo your name to the reverberate hills and make the babbling gossip of the air cry out, Olivia! <sighs> oh, you should not rest between the elements of air and earth, but you should pity me. You might do much. What is your parentage? Above my fortunes, yet my state as well. I am a gentleman. Get you to your lord. I cannot love him. Let him send no more. Unless, perchance, you come to me again to tell me how he takes it. Fare you well. I thank you for your pains. Uh, spend this for me. I am no feed post lady. Keep your purse. My master, not myself, lacks recompense. Farewell, fair cruelty. <laughs> what is your parentage? Above my fortunes, yet my state as well. I am a gentleman. <laughs> I'll be sworn thou art. Thy tongue, thy face, thy limbs, actions, and spirit do give thee fivefold blazon. Ooh, not too fast. Soft, soft. Unless the master were the man. How now? Even so quickly may one catch the plague. Methinks I feel this youth's perfections with an invisible and subtle stealth to creep in at mine eyes. Well, let it be. Uh, what ho, Malvolio? Here, madam, at your service. Run after that peevish messenger, the duke's man. He uh, uh, left. He left this ring behind him. Would I or not tell him I'll none of it? Desire him not to flatter with his lord, nor hold him up with hopes. I am not for him. If that the youth will come this way tomorrow, I'll give him reasons for it. Hi thee, Malvolio. Madam, I will. I do, I know not what, and fear to find mine eye too great a flatterer for my mind. Fate, show thy force, ourselves we do not owe. What is decreed must be, and be this so. Two, scene one, the seacoast. Will you stay no longer? Nor will you not that I go with you? By your patience, no. My stars shine darkly over me. The malignancy of my fate might perhaps distemper yours. Therefore, I shall crave of you your leave that I may bear my evils alone. It were a bad recompense for your love to lay any of them on you. Let me yet know of you whither you are bound. No, sooth, sir. My determined voyage is mere extravagancy but I perceive in you so excellent a touch of modesty that you will not extort from me what I am willing to keep in. You must know of me then, Antonio. My name is Sebastian. My father was that Sebastian of Messaline whom I know you have heard of. He left behind him myself and a sister, both born in an hour. 
If the heavens had been pleased, would we had had no end? But you, sir, altered that, for some hour before you took me from the breach of the sea was my sister drowned. Alas, the day. A lady, sir, though it was said she much resembled me, was yet of many accounted beautiful. She bore a mind that envy could not but call fair. She is drowned already, sir, with salt water, though I seem to drown her remembrance again with more. If you will not murder me for my love, let me be your servant. Desire it not. Fare you well at once. I am bound to Duke Orsino's court. Adieu. The gentleness of all the gods go with thee. I have many enemies in Orsino's court, else would I very shortly see thee there. But come what may, I do adore thee so that danger shall seem sport. And I will go. Our mission at Sweet Tea Shakespeare is to bring communities together. Regardless of where you come from, we consider you part of our community, one that supports each other no matter what. You can become a part of this important support system through our Patreon, where we make magic well by making it together with you. Our Patreon supporters are folks who join our commitment to community building by making a monthly pledge that goes, first and foremost, to the people at Sweet Tea Shakespeare. Your contribution inspires us to inspire others, and we hope you can join that work today by visiting patreon.com slash sweetteashakes. Act 2, Scene 2, Outside Olivia's House. Were not you, even now, with the Countess Olivia? Even now, sir. On a moderate pace, I have since arrived, but hither. <laughs> she returns this ring to you, sir. <clears throat> you might have saved me my pains to have taken it away yourself. <clears throat> she adds, moreover, that you should put your lord into a desperate assurance that she will none of him. And, and one thing more, that you never so hardy to come again in his affairs unless it be to report your lord's taking of this. Receive it so. <clears throat> she took the ring of me. I'll none of it. <laughs> Come, sir. You peevishly threw it to her, and her will is it should be so returned. <clears throat> if it be worth stooping for, there it lies. If not, be it his that finds it. <clears throat> <laughs> I left no ring with her. What means this lady? Fortune forbid my outside have not charmed her. <laughs> She made good view of me. Indeed, so much that methought her eyes had lost her tongue, for she did speak in starts distractedly. She loves me, sure. The cunning of her passion invites me in this churlish messenger. None of my lord's ring, why he sent her none. I am the man. If, if it be so, as tis, poor lady, she were better love a dream. How will this fadge? My master loves her dearly, and I, poor monster, fond as much on him, and she, mistaken, seems to dote on me. What will become of this? As I am man, my state is desperate for my master's love. As I am woman, now alas the day. What thriftless sighs shall poor Olivia breathe? Oh, time, thou must untangle this, not I. It is too hard a knot for me to untie. Act two, scene three, Olivia's house. Approach, Sir Andrew. Not to be abed after midnight is to be up betimes, and 
dialeculosigurger, thou knowest. Nay, by my troth I know not, but I know to be up late is to be up late. A false conclusion. I hate it as an unfilled can. To be up after midnight and go to bed then is early. So that to go to bed after midnight is to go to bed betimes. Let us therefore eat and drink. Marion, I say, stoop of wine. Here comes the fool, faith. How now, my hearts? <laughs> Welcome, ass. Now, let's have a catch. I said... I sent these sixpence. Hast it? I did impeticose thy gratility, for Malvolio's nose is no whipstock, my lady has a white hand, and the Myrmidians are no bottle ale houses. Excellent. Why, this is the best fooling when all is done. Now, a song. Come on. There's a sixpence for you. Let's have a song. Uh, would you have a love song or a song of good life? Oh, a love song, love song. I, I, I care not for good life. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm a lifeless voice as I am true knight. Yeah, and contagious breath. Very sweet and contagious, faith. But shall we make the heavens dance indeed? Shall we rouse the night owl in, in a catch that will draw three souls out of one weaver? Shall we do that? And you love me, let's do it. I am dog at a tune. Come, begin. What a catwalling do you keep here? If my lady have not called up her steward Malvolio and bid him turn you out of doors, never trust me. My lady's a prude, we are not politicians. Malvolio's a, a pegger Ramsay, and three merry men are we. Am I not consanguinous? Am I not of her blood? Till a valley lady. Shrew me, the knight's in admirable fooling. Aye, he does well enough if he be disposed, and so do I too. He does it with a better grace, but I do it more natural. For the love of God, peace! My masters, are you mad? Or what are you? Have you no wit, manners, nor honesty, but to gabble like tinkers at this time of night? Do you make an alehouse of my lady's house that you squeak out your catches without any mitigation or remorse of voice? Is there no respect of place, persons, nor time in you? We did keep time, sir, in our catches. Snack up. Sir Toby, I must be round with you. My lady bade me tell you that, though she harbors you as her kinsman, she's nothing allied to your disorders. If you can separate yourself and your misdemeanors, you are welcome to the house. If not, she is very willing to bid you farewell. You lie. <gasps> Any more than a steward, Dost thou think, because thou art virtuous, there shall be no more cakes and ale? Uh, yes, by Saint Anne, and ginger shall be hot in the mouth too. Now to the right. Go, sir, rub your chain with crumbs. <laughs> Stoop of wine, Mariah. <laughs> Mistress Mary, 
If you prized my lady's favor at anything more than contempt, you would not give means for this uncivil rule. Hmm? She shall know of it by this hand. Hmm. Don't shake your ears. We're as good a deed as to drink when a man's a hungry, to challenge him to field and then to break promise with him and make a fool of him. Do it, knight. I'll write thee a challenge, or I'll deliver thy indignation to him by word of mouth. Sweet Sir Toby, be patient for tonight. Since the youth of the dukes was today with my lady, she is much out of quiet. For Monsieur Malvolio, let me alone with him. If I do not gull him into a nay word and make him a common recreation, I do not think I have wit enough to lie straight in my bed. I know I can do it. Possess us, possess us. Tell us something of him. <laughs> Sir, sometimes he is a kind of Puritan. Oh, if I thought that, I'd beat him like a dog. Well, for being a Puritan, I exquisite reason, dear knight. I have no exquisite reason for it, but I, I, have, I have reason good enough. The devil a Puritan that he is, or anything, constantly but a time pleaser, an affectioned ass that cons state without book and utters it by great swaths. And on that vice in him will my revenge find notable cause to work. What will thou do? <laughs> I will drop in his way some obscure epistles of love wherein by the color of his beard, the shape of his leg, the manner of his gait, and the expression of his eye, forehead, and complexion, he shall find himself most feelingly personated. <laughs> I can write, very like my lady, your niece, on a forgotten manner. We can hardly make distinction of our hands. Excellent. I smell a device. <laughs> I have it in my nose, too. <laughs> he shall think by the letters that thou wilt drop that they can come from my niece and that she's in love with him. My purpose is indeed a horse of that color. And your horse now would make him an ass. Ooh, ass, I doubt not. Oh, it will be a marble. Sport royale, I warrant you. I know my physical work with him. I will plant you two and, um, oh, let Mr. Fabian make a third where he shall find the letter. Observe his construction of it. For, th for this night to bed and dream on the event. Go, go, go. Farewell. Uh, good night, Penthesilea. <laughs> for me. She's a good wench. Yeah, she's a, a beagle truebred and one that adores me. Well, what of that? I was adored once too. Uh, let's to bed, knight. Thou hast need send for more money. If I cannot recover your niece, I am a foul way out. Send for money, knight. If thou hast her not in the end, call me cut. If I do not, never trust me. Take it how you will. <laughs> come, come, I'll go burn some sack. Tis too late now to go to bed. Come, knight, come. Two, scene four, the Duke's court. Give me some music, friends, that peace of on that old and antique song we heard last night. Methought it did relieve my passion much more than light airs and recollected terms of these most brisk and giddy paced times. Come, but one verse. She is not here, so please your lordship. That should sing, that should sing it. Uh, who was it? Festy the jester, my lord, a fool that the lady Olivia's father took much delight in. 
She's doubt. She's about the house. Seek her out. Come hither, boy. If ever thou shalt love in the sweet pangs of it, remember me, for such as I am, all true lovers are, unstayed and skittish in all motions else, save in the constant image of the creature that is beloved. How dost thou like this tune? Gives the very echo to the seat where love is throned. Thou dost speak masterly. My life upon, young though thou art, thine eye has stayed upon some favor that it loves. Hath it not, boy? A little, by your favor. What kind of woman is Of your complexion. She is not worth thee, then. <laughs> what years of faith? About your years, my lord. Two Old by heaven. No, let still the woman take an elder than herself. For boy, however we do praise ourselves, our fancies are more giddy and unfirm than women's are. I think it well, my lord. And let thy love be younger than thyself, or thy affection cannot hold the bent. For women are as roses, whose fair flower being once displayed doth fall at very hour. And so they are, alas that they are so, to die even when they to perfection grow. Oh, fellow, come, uh, that song we had last night. Mark it, Cesario, it is silly, sooth and dallies with the innocence of love like the old age. Are you ready, sir? Aye, prithee, sing. <laughs> There's for thy pains. No pains, sir. I take pleasure in singing, sir. <laughs> I'll pay thy pleasure then. Truly, sir, and pleasure will be paid one time or another. Give me now leave to leave thee. <laughs> now the melancholy god protect thee, and the tailor make thy doubt make thy doublet of changeable taffeta. For thy mind is a very opal. Farewell. Let all the rest give place. Once more, Cesario, get thee to yon same sovereign cruelty. Tell her, my love, more noble than the world, prizes not the quantity of dirty lands, the part that fortune hath bestowed upon her. Tell her, I hold as giddily as fortune, but tis that miracle and queen of gems that nature pranks her in attracts my soul. But if she cannot love you, sir. I cannot be so answered. Doth, but you must. Say that some lady, as perhaps there is, hath for your love as great a pang of heart as you have for Olivia. You cannot love her, you tell her so. Must she not then be answered? There is no woman's sides can bide the beating of so strong a passion as love doth give my heart. No woman's heart so big to hold so much. They lack retention. <laughs> but mine is all as hungry as the sea and can digest as much. Make no compare between that love a woman can bear me and that I owe Olivia. Aye, but I know. What dost thou know? Too well what love women to men may owe. In faith, they are as true of heart as we. 
my father had a daughter loved a man. As it might be, perhaps, were I a woman, I should your lordship. And what's her history? A blank, my lord. She never told her love, but let concealment, like a worm in the bud, feed on her damask cheek. She pined in thought, and with a green and yellow melancholy, she sat like patience on a monument, smiling at grief. Was not this love indeed? We men may say more, swear more, but indeed our shows are more than will. For still we prove much in our vows, but little in our love. But died thy sister of her love, my boy? I am all the daughters of my father's house, and all the brothers, too. And yet I know not. Sir, shall I to this lady? Aye, that's the theme. To her in haste, uh, give her this jewel. Say, my love can give no place. Bide no denay. Act two, scene five, outside Olivia's house. Come thy way, Signor Fabian. Nay, I'll come. If I lose a scruple of this sport, let me be boiled to death with melancholy. You know he brought me out of favor with my lady about a bear baiting here. To anger him, we'll have the bear again, and we will fool him black and blue, shall we not, Sir Andrew? And we do not. It is pity of our lives. Here comes the little villain. Get you all three into the box tree. Malvolio's coming down this walk. <laughs> he has been yonder <laughs> in the sun practicing behavior to his own shadow this half hour. <laughs> Observe him for the love of mockery, for I know this letter will make a contemplative idiot of him. Oh, close in the name of jesting. Lie thou there, for here comes the trout that must be caught with tickling. <laughs> Tis but fortune. All is fortune. Morai once told me she did affect me, and I have heard herself come thus near, that should she fancy, it should be one of my complexion. <laughs> Besides, she uses me with a more exalted respect than anyone else that follows her. Hmm? What should I think on it? Is an overweening rogue. Oh, peace. Contemplation makes a rare turkey cock of him. How he jets under his advanced plumes. I, I can so beat the rogue. My peace, I say. To be Count Malvolio. Oh. Ah, rogue. Pistol him, pistol him. Peace, peace. There is example for it. The lady of the strait, she married the, the yeoman of the wardrobe. <laughs> now he's deeply in. Look how imagination blows him. Having been three months married to her, sitting in my state. Oh, a stone bow to hit him in the eye. Calling my officers about me in my branched velvet gown, having come from a daybed where I have left Olivia sleeping. Iron brimstone. Oh, peace, peace. And, and then, to have the humor of state, 
and after a demure travel of regard, telling them I know my place as I would, they should do theirs to ask for my kinsman, Toby. Boots and shackles. Seven of my people, with an obedient start, make out for him. <laughs> I frown the while and perchance uh, wind up my watch or play with my some rich jewel. <laughs> Toby approaches, curtsies there to me. This fellow live? I extend my hand to him thus, quenching my familiar smile with an austere regard of control, saying, <clears throat> Cousin Toby, my fortunes, having cast me on your niece, give me this prerogative of speech. <clears throat> what? You must amend your drunken scab. Nay, patience, or we break the sinews of our plot. Uh, besides, you waste the treasure of your time with a foolish knight. <laughs> That's me. I warrant you. One Sir Andrew. I knew twas I, for many do call me fool. Uh, hmm? what, what employment have we here? Now is the woodcock near the gin. By my life, this is my lady's hand. <laughs> These be her very... Her very C's, her U's, and her T's. Oh, and, and thus she makes her great P's. <laughs> it is in contempt of question, her hand. Her C's, her U's, and her F's? Why that? <clears throat> to the unknown beloved, this and my good wishes. Her very phrases. Tis my lady. To whom should this be? This wins him, liver and all. <clears throat> Jove knows I love, but who? Lips do not move, no man must know. No man must know. What follows? <clears throat> I may command where I adore, but silence like a Lucrece knife with bloodless stroke my heart doth gore. M-O-A-I doth sway my life. A riddle. Excellent wench, I say I. M-O-A-I doth sway my life. Oh, nay, but the first, let, let me see, let me see, let me see. What dish of poison has she dressed him? I may command where I adore. <gasps> Why, she may command me? I serve her, she is my lady, and the end. What should that alphabetical position portend if I could make that resemble something in me? Softly, M-O-A-I, M, Malvolio, M, why, that begins my name. The cur is excellent at faults. M. But, but then there is no consonancy in the sequel that suffers under probation. A should follow, but O does. I or I'll cudgel him and make him cry, O. <laughs> and then I comes behind. I, and you had an I behind you, you might see more detraction at your heels than fortunes before you. M-O-A-I. This simulation is not as the former, and yet, and yet. Every one of these letters are in my name. So, 
Here follows prose. If this fall into thy hand, revolve. In my stars I am above thee, but be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Thy fates open their hands. Let thy blood and spirit embrace them. And to inure thyself to what thou art like to be, cast thy humble slough and appear fresh. Be opposite with a kinsman, surly with servants. Let thy tongue tang arguments of state. Put thyself into the trick of singularity. She thus advises thee that sighs for thee. Remember who commanded thy yellow stockings and wish to see thee ever cross-guarded. I say, remember, go to thou art made if thou desirest to be so. If not, let me see thee a steward, steward still, the fellow of servants and not worthy to touch fortune's fingers. Farewell, she that would alter services with thee, the fortunate unhappy. <gasps> Daylight and delight discovers not more. <clears throat> this is open. <clears throat> I will be proud. I will read politic authors. I will baffle Sir Toby. I will wash off gross acquaintance. I will be point devised the very man. I do not now fool myself to let imagination jade me for every reason excites to this. That my lady loves me. She did commend my yellow stockings of late. She did praise my leg being cross guarded. And in this, she manifests herself to my love and with a kind of injunction drives me to these habits of her liking. I thank my stars. I am happy. <laughs> I will be strange, stout, in yellow stockings and cross-gartered, even with the swiftness of putting on. <gasps> Jove, and my stars be praised. Here is yet a postscript. <clears throat> if thou entertainst my love, let it appear in thy smiling. <clears throat> thy smiles become thee well. Therefore, in my presence, still smile Dear my sweet, I prithee, Jove, I thank thee. I will smile. I will do everything that thou wilt have me. <laughs> I could marry this wench for this device. Oh, could I too? And ask no other dowry with her but such another chest. <laughs> Nor I either. Here comes my noble gull catcher. Thou hast put him in such a dream that when the image of it leaves him, he must run mad. Nay, but say true, does it work upon him? Like, I, like aqua vitae with a midwife. If you will then see the fruits of the sport, mark his first approach before my lady. He will come to her in yellow stockings, and tis a color she abhors, and cross-guarded, a fashion she detests. And he will smile upon her, which will now be so unsuitable to her disposition, being addicted to a melancholy as she is, that it cannot but turn him into a notable contempt. 
If you will see it, follow me. To the gates of Tartar, thou most excellent devil of wit. I'll make one too. You've been listening to the Sweet Tea Shakespeare Hours. Our podcast was produced by Claire Martin and Jeremy Feebig. Our theme song was written by Owen Eddy. This podcast was made possible by our friends at the Arts Council of Fayetteville in Cumberland County and our fabulous monthly sustainers at patreon.com slash sweet tea shakes. If you've enjoyed your time with us today, subscribe to this podcast or leave us a review on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. If you want to hang out with us in a future episode, drop us a line at hours at sweetteashakespeare.com. That's H-O-U-R-S at sweetteashakespeare.com. Thanks again for listening to the Sweet Tea Shakespeare Hours. Until next time, you that way, we this way.